0: A podcast about everyday retreats. This being my very first episode, I want to offer a little bit of an introduction so you know who you're listening to right now in case you don't know who I am. My name is Eddie Keenan. I am a retreat guide and a transformation coach. And I started this podcast for a number of reasons, which will become clear to you soon. A little bit about my background. So last month, January 2022, I made a bold leap. That bold leap was resigning from my corporate gig, a well paying job without another job lined up. The reason being, as I speak to you now, I look across the room at a box full of notebooks, roughly 34 notebooks, I believe, at last count, that have been filled with ideas and writings, all sorts of dreams and visions over the last uh, really 10 years. And I share that with you because this bold leap of mine has been brewing for quite some time. I have had a clear vision to work for myself and that's what I'm working on right now. So you're listening to me now entering a second month of a sabbatical, an intentional sabbatical to launch my venture. It is a retreat in coaching business, and I'm very excited. <laughs> it's a thrilling time, no doubt. Uh, certainly, you know, experiencing my fair share of fears creeped up, anxiety has creeped up, money scarcity issues have creeped up. All that being said, I am mostly excited to finally be doing the damn thing, to be about it, to walk the walk and really step boldly in the confidence that I need to follow my dreams, so on this podcast, I want to be sharing with you some sort of updates as I, you know, build my business and go through the process of learning all there is to learn. <laughs> uh, certainly, a lot to learn. I have never launched a business before, so this is a new adventure for me. Uh, so sharing you know a bit about that and also offering you uh, some inspiration to find ways to enjoy retreats every day. These can be in the form of simple moments. They can be also activities, exercises, uh, guided walking meditations, and so on. Some things to think about as you navigate your busy life in this noisy modern world that we all live in. I have a lot of compassion for All of the inputs, the stimuli that we juggle on a daily basis. I believe I read somewhere long ago, could have been a Snapple fact. I really don't know at this point where it came from. Sometimes I say I heard something, but it's actually like I read an article online, so that's probably what it was, that the average modern human consumes more media in a single calendar day than someone who lived in the 19th century did in their entire lifetimes so i share that with you not to overwhelm you you probably already feel it and know it but to give yourself some compassion (laughs) And to try to practice, right, engage in that practice of compassion, given the onslaught, the relentless onslaught of information, stimuli, stresses, concern, worry, that we must navigate and grapple with and make sense of living in the year 2022 and beyond. We live in exponential times, and one big reason I do the work that I do is to really imbue the sense of slowing down, (laughs) certainly not an activity that we can necessarily do all the time, given the... Demands of our relationships and work and other responsibilities. That said, I think the more that we can find time each and every day, and even if it is five minutes, you know, as a busy parent, busy professional, carving out just a little bit of time, little chunk of time. Where you can have your own little mini retreat to kind of return to yourself and enjoy a, a bit of clarity, a bit of joy. Those can make all the difference. I say that, <laughs> being someone who has spent the last uh, eight years in working in tech. Where I felt like I was on a very much a rocket ship in mid-flight, relentless pace. The rate is truly bewildering. Spent a lot of time, really, just in a state of disassociation, completely removed from my body, my feelings, and so forth, which, to be clear, has been a, a lifelong a challenge of mine. Uh, working in, you know, tech companies uh, has only exacerbated the the issue, a uh, series of issues. And before that, I worked other burnout jobs, including at a call center, which I want to talk about at some point on this podcast. All that being said, I feel and know deeply the demands of chronic burnout really trying to keep your head above water, while also keeping a face about you, you know, your how you present yourself to people that oh, everything's fine, reminds me of that, you know, popular popular meme of the, the dog with the hat on who's in the burning house, there's just flames all around him. And there's a simple speech bubble, which is everything's fine, everything's fine, this is fine, everything's fine. So definitely relate to that. And one, you know, with that in mind, I really aim to provide moments on this podcast and also in my business, experiences, adventures, workshops that allow folks to really step into the fire of their lives with with clarity and feel inspired to take any bold action that may be necessary to really align, realign, remember uh, who you are, who you want to be. In these noisy times, clarity is such a gift and if you're anything like me, I feel that I have, you know fleeting moments of clarity at times. I try to capture it in a, in a notebook. Uh, yet there's not really extended clarity, uh, clarity that I necessarily feel connected to and integrated through like several continuous days, for instance. And I think that clarity can really make all the difference given, you know, our attention is so precious and there are so many things competing for our our focus, our attention. And so it can be incredibly easy (laughs) to lose sight of why we're doing what we're doing and, and what we aim to do, how we wish to show up for ourselves day to day, how we wish to show up for our loved ones and at work and in our communities. And, uh, you know, reconnect to really our our vision for the life that we want to lead. Uh, and so through many years of of reflecting and ideating and this really extended, I'd say, incubation phase, messy incubation phase that has featured no fewer than, you know, four Dark Knights of the Soul, getting, you know, to a place where I could come out as a gay man, getting to a place where I could relinquish the throes of alcoholism and finally light a match throw up behind me on, on booze, being a booze hound as I was blackout drinking a lot. And finding myself in a place, a physical place, where I feel at peace day to day and I can really live the life that I wanna live it's been a, a gorgeous, messy journey, <laughs> and so I want to share uh, bits of that, uh, some, some stories with you uh, as it relates to, you know, inspiration for hopefully, like, leading a life that is, is true for you. You know, there's really no guarantees in this life. And certainly no shortage of big issues facing our planet, our civilization, our country, and our own bodies, really. We're living in really noisy, violent, exponential times. So all the more important to really cut through the noise and try to... Foster some peace, some joy, some clarity every day in our own lives, so that's a little bit about what I'm after here uh, as I you know continue this process, this learning process of standing up my brand and logo and website and you know creative content and and so forth I certainly intend to learn a lot about myself and how I wish to communicate my ideas to the world. So yeah, that's a a bit of a broad strokes overview. I do want to transition now though into a story that is a foundational story. I consider myself a storyteller I had aspirations at one point of having a career in filmmaking. So my roots are, are deep with regard to, you know, telling stories, simply. So I, I want to leave you uh, this first kind of episode with a story. And some of you may have heard this story, for those who haven't. Enjoy, for those who have already, well, perhaps you can enjoy again. So what I wanna share with you is a story that occurred uh, two years ago this month. So I'm gonna take you back to uh, February 2020. I had the good fortune of being granted a sabbatical Uh, From Airbnb, a company that I worked for for six years. Once you hit the four year mark, you were granted this retreat called a recharge, and you could do really whatever you wanted with it. So I (laughs) really let that be my motivation. Uh, for many dark, challenging times at that job and in my life at that time in my twenties, late mid late twenties. So, needless to say, I was planning this this retreat, this sabbatical, for like a couple years, <laughs> looking forward to it, daydreaming about it, uh, doing all sorts of research and and so on. Originally, my plan was to schedule and take my sabbatical in the summer of 2020. Something funny happened though, in the middle of 2019, I got this intuitive hit, this flash, it's like lightning bolt of (laughs) clarity, to change my plans. And so I did. So I changed my plans to start in uh, mid-December 2019. Now, I had (laughs) basically begged, borrowed, and stole, you know, every conceivable day off. Maternity leave, paternity leave, early bereavement. No, I kid. But I, I did accumulate all this PTO that I saved. I stacked it on top of this amount of time that they would give me. I took a half a pay cut. For this length of time, really to maximize the amount of days that I could have off, at this period of time, I was feeling you know very much at a crossroads in my own life. I had, you know, gone through a couple uh, career uh, explorations. One, uh, you know, I applied to grad school as a couples marital and family therapist, got into this competitive program, elected to not go. I had, previous to that, attended massage school, got a job as a licensed massage therapist at a leading day spa in Portland, Oregon, where I lived, and really was continuing on this kind of corporate track in learning and development, though I was feeling incredibly burnt out. All the while, I was several years into the woods of therapy. I had was dating uh, quite a bit. I had a few relationships that were quite toxic. And all in all I was I was really in it <laughs> and uh, I was ready to take a step back and uh, really give myself some time to just be, to simply be. And in that stillness and quiet my my aim, my hope was to in essence, really find myself and reconnect to my dreams and visions and uh, my true nature, really, just to slow down (laughs) the rapid rate at which I was living my life. So December 2019, I set off to Australia and New Zealand. And so both legs of this sabbatical I had intended consciously uh, to be very distinct and different. So the Australia leg was going to be very social, very gay, lots of dancing, meeting people, dating, and so on. In the New Zealand leg, the back half of my sabbatical was set to be uh, after all of that kind of busy, active uh time, social time, was going to be a solo, introspective time in New Zealand. Uh, writing, reflecting, uh, quiet, and so on. Now, I did something kind of (laughs) controversial that my family wasn't super pleased with, and some of my close friends were supportive, but maybe not super psyched about, which was that before I set out on this 80-day, 8-0, 80-day sabbatical, I told everyone in my life that I love you, I need this time for me, I will be excommunicating myself for the duration of this 80-day sabbatical. So... I love ya, and I can't wait to tell you all these stories when I return. But I'm not gonna stay in touch, and please don't reach out to me. So I made a conscious decision to not stay in touch with anyone and to not follow news media and and so on. Uh, and at that point, you know, <laughs> uh, 45, A.K.A. Trump, was you know louder than ever. And so in doing all of these things, I was trying to create the space container to set myself up for success by stepping away fully and being able to be truly fully present without the obligation of having to, you know, connect and catch up with people that I love. Uh, So that created a little bit of tension for <laughs> uh, for my loved ones. Uh, ultimately, though, I think they, uh, by and large, respected what I was after and what I was doing. So, uh, you know, I set off on this on this sabbatical. I remember calling my grandmother before I left to say, yeah, I'm, I'm set off on a 80-day sabbatical. I got 80 days off. My company has uh, given me she's like oh wow that's great uh I can't believe they're giving you 18 days off and I was like no Grammy 80 80 80 days like around the world in 80 days and she was like baffled (laughs) she used to work at a factory GE factory and like it was just inconceivable right that a company uh, would do that for an employee uh so in any event I was like stepping into this nearly three month long sabbatical and uh Yeah, just really uh, grateful for the privilege, uh, this rare privilege that very few people ever get to have. And also just, you know, I don't want to say desperate, but really just eager, uh, ragged. I was burning the candle at both ends in many respects for many years. Just so eager to unplug and and get away, (laughs) really, on the other side of the Pacific Ocean, far, far away. So... I set off on my journey December 17th, I believe, 2019. Had an amazing time in Australia. I was staying with this uh, gay super host named Tino, this really tall Samoan Kiwi guy who was just like the hostess with the mostest. Uh, And I, you know, landed really at the beginning of Christmas break in Melbourne, Australia. It was really hot, you know, peak summertime at that time in the southern hemisphere and was just on a tizzy tasmanian devil i i danced met a lot of men met a lot of friends went on some adventures some day trips and just really had a a total blast uh and and traveled around australia a bit saw the great barrier reef uh by plane chartered this uh seaplane with this rad female pilot, and uh, really just enjoyed being alive. And uh, felt honestly like I did some next level alchemy with time. I felt like I like turned down the dial of this time warp speed that I was on for so long, and just felt incredibly, uh, yeah, in the moment is the best way to put it. And. Uh, and was enjoying just uh, meeting new people and, uh, walking around, I walked a ton, and, uh, yeah, just, you know, really enjoying, uh, this, this moment in time, uh, in my, uh, in my late 20s, uh, to, uh, or I guess this was early (laughs) thirties. It seems like so long ago, the pandemic has done quite a time warp on me as well. Uh, But yeah, to enjoy my early thirties, you know, I was newly sober, I had given up alcohol. And so this time was also sort of a gift, a celebration of sorts, uh, to really acknowledge what I had done by leaving alcohol behind in my life. I had been blackout drinking for like half my life at that point. And uh, yeah, it was a destructive force and it was very clear over the course of several years that I needed to uh, relinquish this force in my life, the substance uh, to live the life that I ultimately uh, dreamed of. So in any event, uh, here I am, you know, uh, about to turn 31 uh, in January 2020. I'm, uh, you know, five, six weeks into my sabbatical, had a lovely time in Australia and. Uh, was set to embark on the second leg of my sabbatical, which I mentioned was to New Zealand. And I decided that that was going to be a, a totally different tone, different vibe, different intention, which is uh, less social and more introspective. And so I remember getting on the flight, leaving Melbourne after this amazing... Uh, uh, gay, uh, event called Midsummer. it's like this amazing gay arts festival, and lots of dancing, and stuff like that, uh, and it was about to be my birthday, and I remember, you know, embarking on this plane (laughs) to New Zealand, and thinking, like, honestly, you could send me home in a stretcher, and I'd be a happy guy right now, like, meaning, like, you know, if this New Zealand leg is a total, uh, womp womp, which I didn't expect at all, but if it was just like a total disappointment or nothing eventful happened or whatever, I would still be incredibly grateful, incredibly happy guy because this Australia leg was just truly like gave me so much life. (laughs) And so I landed New Zealand and I again get this intuitive flash. Uh, Tino, the super host that I mentioned, who was amazing, hosted me for two weeks in Melbourne at the start of my trip. Uh, he was from Wellington, New Zealand, on like the southern tip of the uh, the North Island, the capital of New Zealand. And I got this intuitive flash to change from my plans around. And so I did, uh, I was set off on this road trip around the South Island. And I decided to, after that, go to Wellington. And so I changed my plans around. And I was, after this uh, long hike, after a very long day, it was like 11.30 p.m., still light out. I was like haggard and sweaty and all this stuff after landing in New Zealand uh, my first couple days. And I also got this intuitive hit to book an Airbnb experience. Even though I was working at Airbnb at the time, I'd never done an experience. And so I picked up my phone and just... Searched in the Wellington area, and something kind of overtook me. Honestly, and that in that moment, I wasn't even thinking; it was just sort of moving. And I found this one experience with zero reviews, and I, without even thinking, I, I booked it. So this was like uh, ten days in the future uh, after what what would be my road trip around the South Island. And so I get thrown into this identity friction, basically, because. Uh, you know, one safeguard, and the app was like, "Oh, I had never booked an experience. I'm on the other side of the world. It's like, is this fraudulent? Is really like what the what the system was doing to me?" So, it basically froze my account. I had to upload a photo of my ID, and uh, and a live photo of myself to cross reference. So I was here. I am haggard, sweaty. It's you know getting late, getting dark, and I had to take this like grainy photo of myself. Uh, to upload to the Airbnb app. Uh, And I'm sure someone in my office (laughs) had to review it, like, is this guy okay? Uh, And so for 72 hours, my account was frozen and they were doing a security review to make sure in fact, like I was the guy that booked this thing and all was well. So uh, sure enough, I I get approved and this experience that I booked gets uh, finalized and, and accepted. And so I continue on the South Island. I have an amazing time, do some hot springs, do some hikes, uh, do some you know journaling and writing, reflecting uh, and, and celebrate my birthday. I turned 31. This is again, January 2020. And I find myself uh, in Wellington and I am seated in a, a stationary train. First thing in the morning, I have a banana in one hand, a coffee in the other, and the train's about to depart. And I am looking up at the the time and the date, and it's 2-2-2020. And I have this moment, as the train begins to jostle out of the station, of like panic. Because I'm like, I can't believe... I'm doing this right now. (laughs) And being a a witchy person from Salem, Massachusetts, you know, I thought to myself, this is on brand for me, for sure. I'm at the tail end of my 80-day sabbatical, and I'm excommunicated from all my loved ones, and I'm about to attend my funeral. So what I booked on Airbnb was this living funeral workshop and no reviews, middle of nowhere, about an hour North of Wellington in this like tiny town. And so the train (laughs) begins moving, begin making my way to this town. My appointment was at, I believe 10 AM on the dot. And, and so, you know, on this train ride through gorgeous scenery, I'm thinking about the sabbatical I've had. And the closer I get, to this town, I'm just thinking more of like, is this a bad idea? <laughs> like, I was seeing, honestly, for a moment, uh, headlines flashing of like, <laughs> you know, three years in the future of like missing backpacker found, uh, you know, remains found uh, in this coffin in rural New Zealand. You know, it's like, what a perfect situation for something horrible to happen, right? Like, I'm not in touch with anyone, I'm, you know, on the sabbatical. Excommunicated from everyone, going to this place to get into a box, and that has no reviews. And so, anyway, I'm making my way there. The train stops. I get off, and you know, I want to. I like to be punctual, so I'm like stressing a little bit because it's getting close to 10 a.m. and I have to navigate through this residential uh, neighborhood that's like a maze. And so, I'm like kind of walking quickly. uh, Boston status and. I get to the street and I'm looking down at the phone at the address and I'm like not seeing the number and I'm like looking. I'm like, what? And I see this like long laneway with like a tiny little (laughs) sign uh, with like a crooked arrow pointing down the laneway. So I was like, oh, here it is. So I'm like walking down this gravel lane. And again, it's like 958. I'm like, oh my God, here we go. And I'm like, red alert, like my intuition's like, is this like, I didn't know if it was my intuition or fear or or what, but I was like, what, like, should I do this? (laughs) And so my body kept carrying me forward, I kept moving and I turned the corner. And I see this Thai woman in this gorgeous, like marigold gown trimming flowers. Without saying a word, she looks at me and gestures to her house. So I swear, her feet not touching the ground, she floated up the three steps into her house. And I followed her in. I entered this house that felt like a portal. It felt completely magnetic and there was art and all this like, crystalline design and stuff like that. I felt like I just stepped foot on some sort of spaceship. This woman who I recognize from the photos says to me, welcome, Edward. I'm afraid I have some horrible news. And in my mind I'm like, fuck, this is a great start to my funeral, like what? And she's like, a dear friend's mother passed away at dawn this morning. I must attend to a Thai death ritual. So instead, if it's all right with you, my partner Eckhart will be facilitating your funeral instead. So this... German guy who looked like roughly 174 years old, Eckhart comes out of the shadows, his hands clasped and his like pursed lips, like gazing at me. And so again, my mind was like a last minute change of hosts, no reviews, like middle of nowhere. Like these were all red flag signs of potentially dangerous situations. And so what I heard myself say out loud was, okay, She drifts out of the house, never to be seen again. I swear she just floated out into the horizon, to the morning sunlight. Eckhart, his hands were as big as baseball mitts, grabs my hand, shakes it firmly, and nods, and gestures, (laughs) without saying a word, gestures up the spiral staircase. So I'm like, here we go. Here, like, here we are. I'm like, you know, 70, I think 72 days into my 80-day sabbatical. I'm like, here we go. So go up this corkscrew staircase, turn the corner into this study, this darkened room with a ton of books, and most notably a big-ass coffin with a bunch of gigantic candles on it. It looks like a scene out of Hogwarts. We sit down and... I proceed to spend nearly six hours in this room with this man, Eckhart. We go through this guided meditation, which is incredibly powerful. We went through several, like, dyad exercises uh, around, you know, my core values. uh, And really, like, he opened it up with, like, you know, we've been waiting for you. Like, he's like, we've been waiting for you. (laughs) Like... You, as a as a person, we've been waiting for you. I'm like, oh my goodness. So going through these all these exercises, and uh, we, you know, a couple hours in, I'm really present now. My anxiety subsided, and uh, he looks me looks me in the eyes and says, like, this is the time has come," and so he instructs me to. With the ambiance set, there's this like solemn bell music playing. The candles are flickering in this darkened room. He instructs me to begin writing my eulogy, visualizing all of my loved ones in this room. This is the day of my funeral. And he said in this thick German accent, he's like, be brutally honest. He's like, be brutally honest. What did you not do? What do you not say to your loved ones? What do you not experience? How did fear hold you back? So he leaves the room and I tell you, 14 pages just flew out of me. The pages were rustling, like steam was rising. It was just like this completely cathartic emotional experience that I I kind of like browned out, like I don't have full clear memories of, but I do remember though being extremely present, perhaps the most present I've been in my entire life. So I write these 14 pages and as he instructed, I stood up, you know, again, dong, 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 the bell music's playing, the candles are flickering, I'm in this darkened room, I'm visualizing my loved ones. I'm looking at this casket, and I recite my eulogy. Uh, I you know, I stood up and I spoke every word that I just written, and it was incredibly powerful. Uh, my voice was kind of trembling at, at periods it was very uh, very intense experience. I was crying, and the the words I was hearing my voice in a in kind of a new way, this clarity, my voice kind of felt. Uh, like it was coming from like a deeper place in my chest. And so I recited this eulogy, including you know all these ways in which fear has held me back, things that I didn't do, things I didn't say to loved ones and so on. So I finished, took a moment to like collect myself, took a sip of water and then opened the door and kind of shouted downstairs like, Eckhart, I'm ready, as he instructed me to do. So he kind of quickly comes up the spiral staircase and immediately uh, blows up the candles on top of the coffin, removes them, and hands me a pair of noise canceling headphones and gestures to the box. And so I get in the coffin, and I'll never forget looking up and seeing his face, looking down at me. And then he closes the lid to the coffin. Now, he had told me that I was going to be in there for roughly 40 minutes, and it felt like much longer than that. So it turns out coffins are not designed for warm bodies. Uh, So wearing clothes, I was immediately sweating there were air holes so I was able to breathe of course which he told me at the beginning to alleviate any anxiety but within like five minutes like I'm sweating you know it's a sensory deprivation experience I can't hear anything it's of course pitch black and uh, again this kind of red alert went off like oh this is the perfect perfect circumstances for him to just leave me in there put like a slab of stone on top and my body is discovered three years from now you know like The Boston Globe headlines, I can see it right now. And so again, I had this anxiety and I I sort of let it subside and tried to like surrender to the experience because I, you know, I did feel a lot of trust with this guy given all the exercises that we had just been through. And so, you know, to this day, I, you know, struggle to really put into words what happened but it was this intense psychodrama i was in this box sweating and i you know saw all these images flash before me these uh, symbols animal silhouettes it was like this extremely vivid rapid fired dream fever dream really uh and i was processing this this not just the sabbatical in general Uh, But this really confronting my own mortality, uh, this, you know, with the ambiance set just right, my eulogy that I just written and said out loud, this really powerful words, uh, and was really in this really powerful psychic experience. Uh, It felt like a psychedelic trip of sorts. Uh, but in a in a profound way that I'd never experienced before. So, I'm I'm having all of these sensory experiences uh, in my in my mind in my psyche, and you know I felt like I was in there for a long time. It felt like very potent, very packed. And uh, he told me, you know, before I got in, that you know when there was a minute left, he's like, I'm gonna play this really loud gong that will can be heard through the coffin, through the noise-canceling headphones. It's that big, that, that loud. Uh, so that way you'll know you have about a minute left before I open up the coffin. And so what seemed like three, three and a half hours later, and I did, uh, I did thankfully let myself go. So I was like fully in it, fully in this experience that I had really no, uh, no clue what was happening. I hear this gong. And so I'm like, oh, okay, like I just kind (laughs) of caught myself like, you know, in this dizzying state, uh, this hypnotic state, and I knew that he was about to open the coffin. And so what had been this incredibly darkened room was now filled with this abundant morning sunshine. So he opened the top and I floated out of that coffin i felt like my feet did not even touch the ground i floated out of there and over to the chair and felt reborn the light was rich and warm and and incredibly bright and i sit down he sits down next to me as this like peaceful Smile, nodding at me, and uh, we proceed to spend another hour chatting about how they created this experience. Uh, he he reiterated. He's like, you are the very first person to experience this workshop that we've been building for years and years. He expressed that you know this was, you know, inspired by. Uh, this ritual in south korean culture that takes place in groups in companies given the high rate of suicide of workaholism uh but he's like we've combined you know I'm a transpersonal psychotherapist my wife is a healer reiki master massage therapist and so they've traveled all all over the world to create this hybrid experience he was like as far as you know we know like we're the only ones to to offer this experience and and you are <laughs> you're our very first client, our very first participant. And, you know, we, we talked about what to expect. He's like, be very kind and patient with yourself. You're going to need a lot of rest, a lot of water. And he's like, also prepare for the dreams. And I asked, like, what do you mean? And he's like, you likely will experience, you know, you're, you're perfectly primed for this. You're 72 days into a sabbatical, excommunicated from you know, your family and fully in the moment. He's like, you likely are going to have a lot of psychic visions and, and intense vivid dreams. So he's like, I encourage you uh, to, you know, write them down. Uh, and so I was on my way, they gave me a little diploma and uh, and I had my eulogy of course, and I made my way back to Wellington in uh, for the next week, I had intense dreams, intuition arriving at a moment's notice. So I filled two notebooks, two full notebooks in that in that next week, and uh, truly felt that I you know you know, burned off some fear in my body, in my fascia, like burned off some trauma, uh, and really just like integrated this this clarity, this fire, this sense of purpose and passion, this new kind of lease on life really. This reinvigorated a sense of aliveness, of vitality, and uh, felt, you know, incredibly grateful for the entire sabbatical and And to have this experience, uh, and so I really took it easy on myself, my final days, the sabbatical, and, you know, this, again, was February 2020, and, uh, you know, made my way back to to the States. Uh, And sure enough, you know, I get back, uh, I have a little bit more time, you know, to kind of get settled and unpack and catch my breath, find my feet and all that stuff before I had to go back to work. And, and sure enough, what felt like hours later, it was only a couple of weeks, but I'm in this total time warp and processing, you know, this, this death and rebirth really, and uh, reconnecting with people and what felt like hours, <laughs> days later, uh, the entire world shuts down due to the pandemic and we are all wrestling with our collective mortality. And this was a a big mindfuck because I felt like I just got back. I opened the coffin, (laughs) you know, came out of it, you know, flash forward, not that long, a few moments. It felt like and the entire world is shutting down due to this, uh, raging pandemic. Uh, and so, I, for a period of time, it was quite surreal and, and a bit absurd, and I appreciated the cosmic humor of it all because I was like, "Is this all happening? Did I actually die in that coffin? Like, what's what's all happening? Like, you can't make this shit up." And so, I, you know, I worked for a period of time, uh, but you know, I was working for Airbnb. Of course, travel was the tip of the spear, and so I only worked for eight weeks because. I was a part of 25% of the company, roughly 2,000 people that got laid off. And so, again, I'm kind of thrust into this big, open period of time off where I don't have to work. So grateful for that. And, uh, yeah, I have the summer to uh, really (laughs) continue processing uh, and also to really sort of set up some clear intentions and kind of fire some arrows in into my future. And there are many more stories to come from that experience. Uh, and one of them is why I landed in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I will say, though, since then, for the last two years, I've been doing a lot of Writing and reading and writing and reading, and have had a you know other really powerful experiences psychic experiences, psychedelic experiences, uh, professional experiences, personal, emotional, spiritual experiences, sexual experiences. All the while, I've been really fine tuning what I will soon be offering as a part of my venture as a part of my business uh, which is a living funeral process uh, with my own you know takes my own inspiration my own flourishes Uh, it will have a you know lead up to it and support following it as well Uh, and I'm incredibly excited to be offering this as a part of my business because I can imagine so many different kinds of people, uh, people that are recently came out, uh, uh, are sober, are really, uh, going through any sort of major transition in their lives, uh, set to make a career change, leave an abusive relationship, uh, start a family, start a business, write a book, uh, all sorts of Pivotal moments in people's lives where this experience can offer such a life affirming sense of clarity, sense of fire, sense of inspiration. Because I know that I myself, for the last two years, have been uh, incredibly changed and transformed from this experience of attending my own funeral. So I'm incredibly excited as a part of a host of offerings with my business, my new venture, to begin offering this as well. Uh, So I really appreciate your listening. Uh, That's one kind of foundational story. There are many others to share with you along the way as I engage in this process of, uh, on this sabbatical of my own right now, uh, you know, and, and really fine-tuning with clarity, with purpose, with heart, with vision, my, my brand, and, and all of the offerings that I will be providing to my, my clients via coaching, via uh, retreats and workshops and experiences, adventures, things of that nature. So thank you for listening. Uh, I'm really excited to uh, share more with you, Again, this has been Ripe Hour, episode one. Thank you so much for for joining. And until we meet again, be well and take care. Many blessings. Bye.